And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Full 60 featuring Craig Custance and presented by The Athletic. Each week, we'll dive into the biggest stories in hockey while bringing in unique voices to entertain and explain all aspects of the game. Hey, this is Craig, and welcome to this week's episode of The Full 60. And I am thrilled to have as a guest the newly retired Derek Engelin. Derek, first of all, as Jeff just said, producer Jeff, congratulations on an incredible 11-year career. Thank you very much. How So, as we record right now, and I honestly don't know, like we're probably a week out from this being public, but as we record right now, the season NHL season is about to start. Like, we're literally like hours away. I, like, I, I've, and I've talked to players in the past. What is that like from your perspective as somebody who's, you know, made this decision to, to stop playing? Um, yeah, it's, um, it's going to be different for sure. I think, well, you, you know, full circle, it's, uh, it's a weird year. It's, um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's completely different, I think, for everyone, even if you're playing or retiring. But, um, you know, I, I definitely think, um, with what's all going on in the world right now and the, the virus and all that, it, it is, it's made it easier for sure to, um, hang them up and, and, you know, go into the rink now. You, you still get to see the guys skate and stuff like that. And, um, you know, you make the right decision when you're not uh, wishing every day that you're out there. Um, you know, yeah. I, I was fortunate with a long, long, long career and, you know, for the most part healthy. Um, and um, with the getting locked down at the beginning for four months and being around the family and, you know, working out, out of your garage, you go from, you know, being away all the time to that. So then going into a bubble, being away for 60 days, it's uh, it was a big eye-opener to see all the things you missed with the kids. And, um, you know, 38 now, and there's no better time. My kids are eight, eight and four right now. And, you know, just coming into that prime where you, you definitely want to be a part of everything they're doing. I wonder how many times that happened. when Because it's funny, when we're in that world and we're traveling and you're in the middle of the game, you, like you're just, you're so focused on what's in front of you and that, like you almost don't realize what you're missing. And then when everything stopped, you realize like, you're like, oh, wow. Like there's, you know, not that to say you don't know that as kids, like I've got three kids, but it's like you almost get closer on some level. I, at least I have with my family. And like, have you talked to guys or like how often, how, how common do you think it was where guys are like, okay, like this, this is made things maybe a little bit more complicated yeah it's um like i said the, the year kind of i think makes it easier you look at how many guys have uh retired this year but yeah you miss out like this is the my my oldest is almost nine now and it was the first halloween i got to be a part of you know you, mm. you're usually playing or traveling on halloween so that was a big thing um but yeah you, you know for different guys it's it's definitely harder if 
I think if I wasn't um, getting a, a job with the team and going right into that, it would de- definitely be a lot harder. Uh, it yeah. would change things up a lot. But but having that um, that to fall back on and and still be part of hockey and in Vegas uh, that that was the main goal. And uh, I, I don't see my I couldn't have seen myself moving my family uh, for another year. Right, right. So so. I mean, technically, you're special assistant to the owner. Um, what does that mean? That's a pretty good job. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> not a bad, not a bad guy to work under. But uh, that's it's right. kind of everything. I, uh, it, it, they gave me the title. I didn't really. I told them I didn't really need a title. Just kind of wanted to see, uh, check out everything. Like I, I'm not closing any doors on anything, but. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of doing everything, you know, you're going to do a lot of charity work. You're going to do, um, you know, the learn to play. Um, mm. we got to get the alumni up and running here in, in Vegas. Um, you know, um, helping bill with other, his other companies, you, you know, that'll be a part of it too. And then, then you have the hockey side where, you know, hopefully you can get out on the ice and, and help out if the team's on the road and guys need to skate or, you know, little things like that. So, yeah. Um, there's going to be a lot of ambassador stuff, uh, you know, sponsors and stuff like that. So, um, and then, um, you know, a little bit of broadcasting maybe here and there or radio stuff. We'll see how that goes and, and kind of just, uh, see what I like and, uh, have a niche for. Do you have like an, um, a feeling like this is the path I'd like to go down, like working with Kelly and George in the you know hockey op side or the business side with Bill. Like, is there a, a portion of it that you kind of find yourself drawn towards? Um, right now I don't really want the travel. Yeah. Um. So that that kind of leans towards the business side a little bit more. Um, but we're we're fortunate here that they brought the the AHL team into town, so you don't have to travel too too far to still be on the hockey side, but. Um, so I kind of leaving everything open and, uh, you, you know, down the road when my kids are older and they don't want to be around you, you know, in the teenage years, you know, maybe you get into more where you're, you're on the road a little bit more or, or that stuff. But, uh, for now, just kind of, uh, dipping my toes in and seeing what I like. Um, it was like from the outside watching you, you know, emerge as, as one of the faces of that franchise. Like I, when I think of the Vegas Golden Knights, the incredible season in 1718, it's, uh, you know, it's you, it's Marc-Andre Fleury. It's how that town, that, that city embraced you guys. Now that you, you've had almost a, a kind of a minute to let it sink in, like what was that experience like to, to, to launch this team under those circumstances as successfully as you were able to do it? Yeah, it was um, unexpected, I guess you could say, coming from yeah. the you know the the expansion draft and and everyone has you pegged to finish dead last. And I think you know, even going into camp, that was your feeling. You know, all of us older guys are probably going to get moved by the deadline and um, to get assets for the team. And um, you know, I think at the beginning, <clears throat> before we started playing, that's kind of everyone's mindset. But you still had that. Uh, little bit of um i guess piss and vinegar towards being a, yeah. a not protected for some guys and you know for me it was a, a blessing obviously you it didn't take much to figure out they weren't going to protect me but that year was um the most special year ever like uh you know from the unfortunate 
uh, October one and and how the team uh, bonded with this community and just seeing how the community just embraced the team was uh, special. And then to go on that run was, um, you know, a little bit short, but it was the most fun I've ever had in the hockey season. Uh, it was, I mean, it was amazing. I, I think about that. You mentioned, you know, the shooting and the speech that you made on October 10th, following that, that first home game in, like the the whole world was watching and um you know you grabbed the mic in such an emotional moment how did you prepare for that and what, what how, how what was that moment like for you uh very nerve-wracking um yeah you know i i uh didn't sleep a whole lot for the few days before the game um just you know it's it's weird you go play play a hockey game in front of 20,000 people no big deal because that's you're used to that but getting out there and Speaking um, after such a tragedy was um, very nerve-wracking, and uh, you know, on, on top of that, you have the 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 game about to start. So there's all these different emotions that you know I don't think I could explain. Like it was, you know, very very sad, but very excited for the game and Vegas and all that. So it was uh, it was a lot different and. Um, you know, at the time of doing it, I don't think I would have guessed it would have touched um, so many people in, in so many different ways. And it was just, uh, you know, that's probably going to go down as the number one thing I do in my hockey career. And it wasn't even hockey. So, yeah. Who approached you about doing it? Like, was this, what was that conversation? Um, yeah, the team, the team came. Um, Eric Tosi, I remember. And, and Sage came to me and, uh, I thought it would be an, uh, a good idea, and I was like, "Really? Are, are you sure? Like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't know how good I'm going to be speaking." Uh, and then, um, you know, coming home and talking to my wife, she thought it was an extremely good idea, and um, they kind of give you uh, a little bit of what they thought would be um, what I should hit and, and talk right. about, and. Um, you know, me and my wife, mostly my wife, I guess, um, nailed the, the speech, how it was and, and, and made it a little easier, um, knowing the speech beforehand and being able to lay in bed, not sleeping and just go over it in your head and over it in your head just so you don't mess it up. Yeah. So if it makes you feel any better, you did not look nervous at all. Oh, well, I, I, I can still, uh, even when it comes up, you can see how much I'm moving because that's my nerves going. Um, but it definitely, um, with the response you got from the crowd after every, you know, after every little thanking, I guess the crowd went crazy. So it, uh, you know, gave you an opportunity to regroup and, um, um, remember exactly what, uh, to say, uh, at the right moment. So it definitely, um, it was crazy. It was, uh, but it was a very special moment uh, for me, for sure. It's it, it's interesting to hear you say after the expansion draft or going into that year um, that you know the veterans on that team are thinking, okay, we're going to be trade deadline, you know, movements and and because it, like people for, almost forget now how active George McPhee was just in gathering assets, right? Like in get, gathering draft picks and building for the future. Like at what point during that season did you start to realize, hey, wait a second, this this is going to be something special. Like we're we're not building for the future; we're building for this moment. 
yeah, there's definitely uh, two two uh, two very big moments. Um, first one was the father's trip. Uh, we went. I think it was uh, late November, November, early December. Uh, we went into Nashville with uh, Subi played, and uh, we ended up beating Nashville. I think in an overtime or a shootout um, with the fathers there, and then going um, and playing the next night in Dallas with Maxine Legacy in net, and uh, we won that game as well. Um, so to go into both those buildings, which are hard to play in and win both those games and with those guys, um, you know, Subi and Max played phenomenal for us. And, and then, um, the other time would be, uh, right around Christmas break, we played, um, I don't remember the order, but it was like Washington, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay. And, uh, it was either two before and one after or something like that. And, um, at home here, and we ended up beating all three, all three teams. and. I think that's when it sunk in. You know, at the time, those were three of the four powerhouses of the uh, of the East, and um, to beat all three of those teams, I think it was a big eye opener. And that's when I think um, you know, guys, guys started talking in the locker room. You know, like, hey, we got to keep this going. We love it here. No one wants to get traded. We got to keep mm-hmm. playing. We got to keep battling, and and uh, it just kept going up from then. It's like it's almost like a major league moment right in the movie where it's like the guys come together and all of a sudden you get some momentum and it's like hey let's not we don't want this to end yeah exactly it was um like i said we we had a lot of fun obviously guys if you know playing in vegas uh lots of things to do and uh stuff but the the team it uh stuck together no matter no matter what it was it, it was a the everyone on the team families everything always included um just brought the team closer together. And, and I think coming in from the expansion draft, talking to, you know, Flower and, and James Neal and, and the guys Garrison and uh, McNabb mm-hmm. at the uh, expansion draft, you know, that was the main thing is getting that team um, together and getting that tightness right away. And, um, you know, I think we did a great job with that. It's interesting because we're now in another expansion draft year. And, you know, I'm sure Seattle is studied every move that vegas made it's i I find it fascinating to hear like you guys were communicating right off the hop uh, you know after you get picked who was the ringleader like who like how how as players or as leaders did you bring the group together as you're being thrown together through an expansion draft um yeah well we had the was it me me flower mcnab garrison and then reed duke was here um for the expansion draft um so, you know, we just started talking then and um, seeing what we had to do. And obviously I played with Flower and and James Neal in, in Pittsburgh. So we were, we were pretty tight anyways. So, um, and with school starting here, that probably helped a little bit. School starts in August here. So, you know, guys with families were moving out here early to get used to, you know, the city and get places to live. And, um, you know, a lot of guys reached out since I lived here. Uh, prior, um, since I, uh, you know, three. So a lot of guys reached out, uh, probably a lot more girls reached out to my wife than guys, just because <laughs> girls are always more, more organized and want to know, you know, schools for kids and doctors and all that stuff. And guys would have just shown up and found a place to live at camp. But, uh, you know, I think it started then. And, uh, as soon as guys got here for the, the season, you know, there was, 
everyone was going hanging out at everyone's house and just getting to know everyone as a group and and going from there. And it's neat because uh, you know we get news is out that Mark Stone was was named the first official captain um, in franchise history, and it's it's like for it to go from you know all you guys being thrown together. And and it's now kind of matured to this point where you you know you have this star player who has chosen to stay in Vegas because of the foundation you guys laid, and now is a you know is a captain. Um, you know when you see that, and, and you you know you know Mark well. How how do you see him in that role? I I wouldn't have picked anyone else but him. You know, obviously, yeah. Obviously, you got Flower there, and uh, he he has been a big part, and he always will be. Um, but. Uh, for a guy that it can actually wear the C, there's there's no better guy. He's uh, top notch um, on and off the ice, and uh, you know I would have I would have been pretty disappointed if it wasn't him that got named. So um, you know he's he's a he's a true star, true true leader in that locker room, and uh, I'm excited to see what he's going to do. He's an interesting player to me because like people in the game just they love him, right? Like the, just the way he plays, both ends of the ice highly respected and like i think he's a star player i don't know if he like you know kind of to the general public is is seen that way what is it about his game that people love so much yeah it's um you know even as a player playing against him um you you know you knew he was good and and all that but uh until you got the to see him play every every game and he just does all the little things he he works all over the ice, um, you know he's he's first one on the four check, first one back. You know he just he's a workhorse, and then you throw his skill set in there. He he's uh, he's unbelievable. He's uh, I, I think he's under, underrated for sure. Yeah. Um, but but he is definitely uh, he is a top top player in this league, and he will be for years. All right, let's take a quick break. I do I want to get into I'm fascinated about like early ECHL days, especially in Vegas. So I got I do want to ask you about that, but let's take a quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. So, so Derek, I mean, this was when you go back to Vegas, it's your second go round. And I, I just am super curious of what hockey in like, 2002 2003 2004 and that era was like in Vegas in the ECHL um it, it was it was good actually like uh you know that was a brand new team um in the east coast obviously they, they had the thunder in the IHL here but um you know I'm 21 coming to you know coming to Vegas to play I was pretty excited you know even though it's the east coast but it was you know you still got to play but coming here it was um you know, there's a lot of similarities to to the to the Knights. Obviously, the Knights are a different level um, of entertainment here, but it was the same thing. It was um, it was a show. Um, you know, they had the dancers out there in the East Coast, and you know, you're playing midnight games and stuff like that to promote it and let other people that were working different shifts come watch games. And 
it was it was fun it was um you know definitely uh enjoyed my year and a half here two years here and enough to move here and and call this home so uh, i had a lot of fun i i grew a lot as a player and uh figured out the uh, pro hockey in a hurry when while i was here um and that, i think is that when you met your wife melissa yes i met her here the the first year i was here um at McMullins after a game <laughs> that's great so yeah. so yeah so you are you're, you're in at that point so yeah. and 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 you've got at that you've got a young glenn gallatin as the coach right yes he just just retired from the west coast hockey league moved to the he played, played played in Fresno with the I think it was the West Coast Hockey League and then uh the East Coast moved out there and he he was a coach so he was awesome. Was Same he? Then as he was when he was in Calgary, yeah. There was, yeah. The guy never changed and it was uh it was amazing to see. He's he uh, just wanted the best for every every guy on the team and um he was a great guy to play for and in both both in Calgary and in Vegas. So when you say you learned how to be a pro like what what area you of the are you just, is it like off the ice or on the ice like where area did you have the most growth yeah i th- i think on the ice for sure i wasn't uh you know leaving juniors in you know i was a guy that uh off the glass and out and and dropped the gloves a lot so um i think uh it was almost a blessing to get sent down to the east coast because you're playing you know if i was up in the AHL um you know maybe you're in and out of the lineup playing 10 minutes a night where down here, you're playing top minutes, got some power play time and some PK, you know, all the PK time, and and you're you're able to grow and and uh, work on your game that way. Um, a Devils draft pick was that? What was that moment like for you? It was exciting. It was in Calgary. Um, yeah. So we, we were down there. We had to go do the testing, and um, I actually got. I was. Uh, Back then, you didn't train like you do nowadays, I guess you could say. And um, <laughs> right. uh, it probably could have shown up in a lot better shape. Um, but, um, you, you know, you, you learn from that. And um, But it was a cool experience. I was I was there at the draft and uh, just to be able to see all those guys go, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. And, um, you, you know, if you went back six months to my beginning of Moose Jaw, I almost left that year. Um, cause I wasn't playing and the coach, I remember the coach telling me, you know, just, just hold out, just give it another month and see. And, um, he was right. We got some injuries. I started playing and, and never got taken out. So it, it all worked out. That's amazing. Like how close did you come to not playing? I, I went in to tell him that I was going to go back to junior B and hopefully go into junior A or whatever. And mm. just, just cause I wasn't playing and, and, uh, He's like, just give it, uh, he told me, give it a couple more weeks or something. And so I did. And sure enough, we had a couple of injuries and then started playing. And, and that was, uh, that's how the start of that, that part of the life. That's, and like you, like you grinded, like you, you grinded your way up, um, you know, making your debut. I want to say you're 27. Like, yep. was there points where you were like, I'm not, you know, this, this, this isn't going to happen. Or what was that process like for you? Yeah, I think, you know, probably. I, well, I, I don't know if I actually thought I'd make the NHL until mm-hmm. probably I signed with Pittsburgh and got to Wilkesbury. Um, yeah. Before that, I, I I wasn't ready. That that's for sure. I had to prove a lot. But um, 
you know, at that point, you know, you're 20, 23, 24, 25. Back then, a lot of the guys went went overseas right away because there was a, that uh, the cap on the AHL salary, which was like 105 or whatever. So mm-hmm. a lot of the older guys, instead of making 105, they'd go overseas and, and make good money and have great careers over there. So um, those conversations started coming up and um you know i think at 27 28 uh, if i didn't make it then it probably would have happened uh, pretty pretty soon after that what to go overseas yeah to go try it over there try something out um you know see the world and and play hockey while you're doing it and um fortunately enough i had good great coaches back then then you know in Wilkesbury, Dan Bilesma, Todd Reardon, Todd Richards all those mm. guys they they really they really helped you and pushed you along the way and, um, you know, just told me what I needed to do to get to the next level. And I remember having the conversation with Todd Reardon saying, you know, our goal is just get you one game. That's all we need is just one mm-hmm. game and it'll play out from there. And still remember the day that uh, he called me in after we played in Wilkesbury on a Friday. He called me in and told me I got called up and, you know, I don't know who was more happy, him or me. Um, I love that for the news. So it was uh, pretty, pretty cool. I, I mean, it, it's ridiculous when you look at that era of Wilkesbury coaches because it's Todd Reardon and John Hines and Dan Bilesma and Todd Richards. It's like it became like a turnstile of NHL head coaches. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was something else. Um, you know, you know, even uh, you go back uh, years. Bruce Brujo, Bruce Boudreau was in uh, Hershey and yep um, before. Before that, in South Carolina, I had Jared Bednar as the assistant coach. You know, like a crazy um, the the guys you play with or play for, and um, you know, you seeing their careers, you know, at the the highest level as well is pretty pretty amazing to know that you you got to play with those guys and and uh, hopefully help them along the way as well. Who um, who is your favorite coach to play for? You've played for a lot of good ones. Yeah. Oh God. I don't know. There's a lot. They're all different. They're all. Yeah. I don't know if I could name one, you know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. All those guys, Dan, Todd, Gully, mm. you know, Bedsy, all those guys are just amazing coaches and they helped me so much just with my career and improving in the areas that uh, they knew I needed to improve and um you know they were all fun to play with they were all great uh great players coaches and uh they like to have fun with the guys as well like you know a lot on the locker room messing around so it was you know it just made it an uh, easy atmosphere to to be a part of um it, it's interesting because a couple guys are really going to be on the spotlight that you've played for one is jared bednar like that people love that team right colorado is seen as this is the next great young team and you don't hear about him as part of that, right? It's Nathan McKinnon, and as it should be, right? These players are stars. Why do you think Jared's been such a good fit there, since you know him so well? Yeah, he's a, he's just a great coach. He's a great person. Um, you know, he cares about uh, all of his players, um, and he wants, like I said, he wants the best for you. So he's going to help you any way he can um, to reach and accomplish your goals. And you know, a lot. When you reach and accomplish your goals, which in turn he gets to reach and accomplish his goals, and you know they got a fun, uh, a, a fun team to watch there. 
Um, it's gonna it's gonna be a fun year to see uh, you know the Knights and them uh, battle. Um, what is it eight times this year? Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun uh, to watch and I'm excited to see uh, how it all unfolds. Someone was just saying they they feel like there's gonna be more fights this year because teams are gonna be playing each other so often. Would you agree with that premise? <laughs> Well, if you throw a Calgary and Edmonton playing ten times. Is that? What I think? <laughs> yes, you're just yes. you're you're just asking for more fights, and you know I think it's good. I I, I think uh, like I, I'm not against fighting in hockey at all. Obviously, it uh, basically gave me my career. So, mm. um, you know, it's always there's a good there's a there's a high level of respect for those guys that do that and or have to do that. Um, but I think it definitely is going to spice up some uh, some uh, some rivals for sure. And yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. You know, especially when you get the team that you. I know Vegas does it uh, with Colorado plays two here, two there, back to back to back to back. So it's a playoff series uh, with four games. You know. Yeah, were you, were you a guy that? Realized you had to have that part of your game, or was it natural? You know what I mean. Like some guys introduce it to their game as out of necessity other people are it's just is part of it all along like where were you in that spectrum in terms of fighting yeah i uh i remember junior b i didn't really fight i think i fought four times and um you know i did pretty good i guess you could say and then i went to to moose jaw and i think i fought twice um twice till the last like uh 15 or 20 games and then I think I fought 9, 10 or 11, something like that times in the last few games and I think I just kind of I needed that in my game and um, um, I knew I knew it was that's how I was going to stay in the lineup and play and um, you know then you just get that reputation that you're you're willing, you know, you fight all those guys in, in juniors and all those guys move up when you move up and you, you mm. keep fighting them along the way. And <laughs> it's the um, same cast of characters. It's the same, same guys, you know, you know, but obviously there's the other leagues too, that uh, guys come in that you don't know, but um, every, the hockey world's a small, small world, you know, who, who fights lots or who's tough and you maybe, you know, just let them sleep a little bit. So it's a, it's the mm. small world, but uh, you know, I knew I needed to, to fight uh, to keep making it uh, up the ladder. Who was the guy you did not want to wake up? You just leave him alone. Oh. God, there's... I Probably more in the minors. Like, you got, like, mm. Jeremy Yablonski and those guys, Trevor Gillies, you know. you Usually that didn't take much to wake him up. Um <laughs> And they they were very tough, but uh, you know you kind of just let it go, let it go for now. See how let the let the game play out and see how it goes. You know, if they come out running around, then you know it's going to be one of those nights. But you know, if they're uh, maybe catching on the th- third game in three nights and they're a little more quiet, so you just got to <laughs> have to play the play the game and uh, see how it goes. All right, so I love the Todd Reardon story. What what was your first moment? like as an NHL player when you you get the call up and you're stepping on the ice. Yeah, it was uh it was a long uh, long night. I flew from um you know, I Wilkes-Barre car service to Philadelphia. I think I left 
got to Philly at one, left there at five in the morning, flew to San Jose, show up at the rink about 10 minutes before morning skate and made it on the ice. And, but, uh, you know, Goligoski was sick, sick, but he was fine to play, I guess. So it was kind of almost, uh, I don't want to say a relief, but, um, it was nice to get there and then settle in a little bit and, you know, taking warm up in San Jose, it was back then it was, a that was a tough, I'm not saying it's easy now, but it was a tough right. barn back then. Um, so seeing that kind of, you know, get some of the nerves out and watching that game, I forget, I think Latang got hurt that game. So Miles mm-hmm. told me after the game that, uh, you know, you're playing in Boston in two days. So I kind of had a few days to uh, take it all in and, and, uh, but I remember stepping on the ice and being extremely nervous and uh, partnered up with Brooks Orpik. So he definitely helped uh, calm it down. And, and then I think he got hurt early in the game and we only had 5D. So then you can't, you don't really have time to think. So you're, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're t- playing a ton. <laughs> yeah, you're playing a ton. You don't have time to think. And it, it probably helped it out. Uh, you, you know, you're not uh, going and sitting for three, four, five minutes because you're, the 6D men, you're just rolling and um, they're just running with it. So it uh, it was a lot of fun. I will never forget that uh, that game and um, it was pretty special. Do you remember your first NHL fight? I mean, I'm assuming you'd have to. Um, who did I fight first? Um, I don't remember who the first one was. Really? All right. I take it back. I'm trying to think. I am. God. Yeah, I don't remember who the first okay. one was. We'll assume you got the bad. W. I should. That's, I should. It's a safe assumption. Um. Yeah. The the first year I probably yeah uh, the first nine games I think I fought three or four times so uh, yeah. I don't think I cho- chose any uh, super super uh, heavyweights I guess you could say for the <laughs> first. You know, feel it out a little bit, I guess. And, uh, you know, then the next year, uh, you just kind of went with it and fought whoever you could. So, yeah. That that era of Penguins is fascinating. Sorry, to me, right? Craig? You, Craig? Yeah. Was it Cam Stewart, Derek? Oh, Jeff has an Cam? answer. I, I think. Oh. <laughs> like, don't put me in the pot here, obviously, but I, I, I'm just it's checking. Your, you're the producer. You can put, I'd like when you jump in. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Could have been November. I know I fought by By Byron Blitz Blitz. Uh, I think I fought Evander Kane. He was an eighteen-year-old. I fought him, um, and I don't remember the other. But yeah, it might have been. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Keep researching, Jeff. If you can tell, you can uh, let me know. Yeah, it been two thousand ten. Yeah, yeah. A preseason. You've got one. Yeah. I had a few. And no nine ten. Doug Lynch broke my nose. <laughs> I think. And then I fought. Yeah. He broke my nose and then I dropped him the next punch. And then we played them again. And I fought some other guy the next game. David Lif- Liffington. Lifton. Yeah, yeah. Lifton. Oh, that's right, too. Because I fought him in exhibition. That's right. And then we op- we, we played right away when I when we got there. So we, we both were trying to get into the league. So, yeah. Nice. You remember that now. 
so you got your nose broken and then still got one last shot in? Oh, yeah, I can't, I like that concept he was so foreign to me. I would not last. Yeah, it, it, I didn't feel it. Like he, he was lefty, which I found out in a hurry um, <laughs> after eating a few. But, uh, yeah, playing he played in the dub in Red Deer and, you know, we never really crossed paths. He played lots and um, – yeah, he uh, right in front of the benches. Remember, um, he broke my nose one punch, and the next punch I dropped him. So it was uh, I didn't know my nose was broken until I got to the box and kind of blew my nose, and then it just waterworks started all over myself, and the uh, the blood was just gushing on my nose. So um, that's when I kind of figured it was it was not right. Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> that was the the clue. Oh, that's that's wild. Um, now, that that era of, of Pittsburgh to me was such a fascinating era, right? So you, you, they win the cup, and then you know you've got such high expectations. Like this is you know the Crosby Malkin at their peak powers. Um, but with that came, I think, huge expectations. What was it like to play in that that moment in time as a Pittsburgh Penguin? It was it was amazing. Like uh, yeah, you know, just being being able to put the skates on and go against those guys every day in practice. You know, I don't think I would have, um, become who I, as a player, um, improved as much as I did there. Um, you know, on the PK and stuff, you're killing every day against that power play. Um, Mm -hmm. every single day you're, you're getting better because those guys are so, so good. Um, you know, it, it makes you better as a player and, um, then you have how how hard a guy like Sid works every day. You know he misses one thing, he's out there working it on it the next day in practice, and um, it's contagious. So it uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I think looking back, obviously we came up short. I don't think we made it past the second round when I was there. And yeah, um, there's a lot of teams. They did it. Uh, they made moves to try to get past that about that uh, that second round. But uh, you know, it's hard. It's it's hard to get there. It doesn't matter who you have on your team. If it's not uh, you run into a hot goalie or a team that's gelling at the right time, it's it's tough to beat them. Yeah. And and you went from a player, like you said, Todd Ritter and saying, hey, we want to just get you one, and you're now playing 60, 70 games a year. When did it, like for somebody who had worked so hard to get there, when did it sink in? Okay, like I'm I'm in. Like this is how, this is my occupation now. Probably a few days ago when I retired. Well, not, not <laughs> my occupation, but yeah, you know, I think that that definitely helped my mind, my mindset going in. You know, every every year was my last year. Um, you know, you know that was my mentality. That every summer mm-hmm. I had to go and get better because there's going to be a younger kid coming in and trying to take my spots. And um, I think that helped me push myself and obviously my family and everyone pushing me as well, but it, uh, you know, it made you maybe not sit back and enjoy, um, and say, wow, I made it, but it, it kept you going and wanting to keep the years on. Um, and looking back now playing 11 years or in the NHL is just, uh, it was an amazing time. And it's probably why, why it makes it uh, a lot easier to, to hang them up is yeah. Uh, com- coming from where I came from to playing eleven seasons was uh, was amazing. All right, according to Jeff, who just texted 
first NHL regular season fights, according to HockeyFights.com, was against Colton Orr and says you got the win. October 13th, 2010. Was that 2010? Yeah. Yeah. That was um, that was my first big fight for sure. No, that was my first fight. That was my that was my first heavyweight for sure. I All fought right. him and uh, him and Shelly like back to back, and oh. um, I wouldn't say I, I won the fight on hockey fights. Yes, but he was <laughs> he was definitely winning the fight until I landed the one punch, and um, you know I fought Orzi. I don't know him personally or anything, and mm-hmm. we fought in juniors, and all we always had amazing fights you know one way or the other wouldn't be much percentage wise of of a win like we just battled we had great fights and you know at the end of the day you go to the box and uh, bs with them in there you know there was uh i have a lot of respect for him and hopefully he does for me but um you know it was it was our job and i think uh if you look back now that's that's what you wanted you wanted a a good uh good fight that uh, just got the crowd going and um you know me and orzy i don't know why we always always had great fights i assumed that there was a kind of a fighter fraternity where you guys were texting behind the scenes and stuff is that not the case uh i don't think it's a, no i i'm okay. sure if you're f- friends yes like but um you know i think there's just that uh that that great deal of respect for one another you know you you're here. We we know why we're here and how we got here, and mm-hmm. keep it going. And um, you know, if the guy goes down, you know, you're gonna have that respect to stop, stop throwing punches. And if he can, yeah. if he wants to get back up, he does. But uh, you know, uh, but if you seen him at a bar or something like that, you'd have a beer with him after the game. It was uh, not a big deal. Yeah. All right. Let's take our last break, and then I I, I want to get into the the Calgary stretch and. A couple other things, so one second. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right. So if you can take me into free agency, I'm always fascinated by the free agency stories because I've talked to guys where they're like, I had no idea if there'd be one team interested in me and then, you know, 10 called or whatever. It's, It's always this wild thing. And... I don't know if you had if you if when you signed with Calgary if that was during the week window was there or was that before that where they would have like the kind of um, test drive that window? was right that was right before um, the okay. test drive window yeah so, so how was that uh, process for you it was uh, it was nerve wracking um, the first time you ever hit free agency um, you know you're you're waiting for your agent to call you and you're seeing all these other guys sign and you haven't really heard much, you know, before then your agent's telling you there's uh you know, there's some interest out there, but you didn't know how much or, or what the circumstances were. And I remember seeing all these D men signing and signing. And it's like, Oh Jesus. Yeah. And then, uh, probably a good hour after free agency started and my agent called me and said, we got an offer from Calgary and, um, told me what it was and I'm like sign that right now do not he's like no no we gotta talk to other talk to other teams I'm like no 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 you signing that deal right now please like that's you know you were you're the year before it was uh you know a comparison for me the year before that sign was uh Karkner in, in Ottawa he signed uh three years I think it was four and a half so you know that we were hoping for that uh at the time, you know, we were hoping for a two or three year deal with uh, hopefully a comparison like that, something like that. And when he told me the numbers with Calgary, I was like, uh, you got to sign. He's like, no, I got a couple teams to call. And he's like, I'll call you back. I'm like, and I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he just hung up. And then the next hour goes by and I'm like, holy shit. Like, I got to call him, like, tell him to take yeah. this deal right now. Like, and he called me back and, and we si- ended up signing there. And, um, you know that's was very unexpected. I was not uh, expecting uh, the uh, all the teams that were interested, and obviously the price and everything like that. You're not expecting that uh, for me, anyways. Um, so to get that, it was uh, pretty pretty amazing, and um, you know a lot uh, looked forward for it too up there. It was, it was Ly. Is that is that right? Your agent? I'm yeah. Yeah, he's my agent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, he's a great yeah. dude. Yeah, I've had him since juniors. He's awesome. Uh, you know, it, good thing he's he's never treated me different from juniors to East Coast to mm. NHL. So it was uh, it was great working with him, and uh, we'll be lifelong friends for sure. Does that so? As a guy who says every year is my last, and then you sign, you know, you you hit the contract everyone wants in free agency. Did you celebrate or did it change? Like, how did that change you at all, if anything? Yeah. Well, at that time you signed, I'm 32, I think I was when I signed that deal. And, you know, you signed that. And I think I looked at that, that 
that was my last contract. So yes, you celebrated, and um, but I also see in the future and wanted to take care of me and my family in the future. And so we we were tried to be smart with it. And like I said, we we played that like it was our last contract. That you know, coming out of that, I was thirty five. So you know, if I made it to thirty five, that's still a, a long career. And um, and then to attack three or more years on top of that uh, with the same mentality um, was something special. Uh, extra bonus, I guess you could say. So so you go to Calgary, and that was that's the Bob Hartley era who broke me in as a beat writer. I started covering the Atlanta Thrashers, so I got to know oh, wow. Bob <laughs> fairly yeah. well. In the, in the, so I'm not surprised at all that you would be a player he would want to add to the team. Um, how did you how, – how was that adjustment for you? How was it playing for Bob in that time? Uh, for me, and if you don't like first, him, feel free to say because I know people. Not everyone loves Bob, but you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, I think he's uh, he's definitely hard. Um, his yeah. his camp his camps those first three days were hell. It uh, doesn't oh. matter how how uh, good a shape you came in. Um, it was it was hard. It was the hardest camps I've ever been through. Um, but as a player, personally. You know, at the beginning of the season, I got hurt, and you go play 5-6, and he doesn't really rely on your 5-6 very much. He plays a top four, and you try to find out why, and, um, you know, it's just how it worked out. And and then Gio gets hurt, and you slide into the top four, and you go from playing 8-10 minutes a night to playing 25 minutes a night, and it's like, holy shit, um, you know. But the... He's very good defensively. Uh, he was he did wonders for my game personally. Um, he's very smart, uh, stick on puck, penalty killing, you know. So it, I think it definitely. Looking back now, it definitely helped my defensive game a lot. Um, and like I feel like that was was that the year Calgary kind of overachieved. Like you guys get into the playoffs. Like that was that was a fun team. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, we were coming in there. We we. Uh, I think it was before Christmas. We were on a nine-game losing streak, and we won the game before Christmas. And then we just went on a roll after Christmas, yeah, and, and made it in, and and beat ended up beating Vancouver in the first round there. So it was, uh, you know, you weren't supposed to be there, but the team came together, and yeah, we it was fun. So when you look back at just the way you you worked for everything you got in the league and and the success you had you know, and capping it in Vegas where you started, like, what are you most proud of? Oh, so much. Um, yeah. You know, sticking with it for one thing, um, it would have been easy to, uh, hang them up a lot earlier or, or go overseas. Um, you know, grinding it out in the minors, um, seeing everyone else getting called up and you're not, uh, you know, you know, I'm proud of myself for that. Um, and then sticking up here, um, you know, I think I had the right uh, support group around me that pushed me in all the right ways I needed to be pushed. And, um, you know, especially my wife, um, she she was a huge part of it. And um, I think that mentality of every year was my last was uh, definitely helped me along the way. Yeah. And like, it's so, so cool to, you know, you end your career and you, you get recognized as a leader. You win the Messier Award and, and you know, that's... Cool. It's 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 that's, amazing, and that's just uh, uh, yeah, that's extremely proud uh, to God just to be 
nominated for that uh, just to be in the company of of Messier was uh, that's um, you know that's uncharted territories if you go back ten years thinking where I'm going to be in in twenty twenty seventeen um, I wouldn't first of all I wouldn't have guessed there's an NHL team in Vegas and second of all I wouldn't have guessed <laughs> I was standing standing up there accepting um, that award you know for for a player like me that's you know, like that's like a MVP trophy to mm. those top guys. Like that's the the trophy of all trophies for a guy like me. And um, to go up there and accept it and be up there on stage with him, it was a uh, it was an honor. Especially growing up in Edmonton area and and uh, you know being huge fans of uh, the 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 uh, dynasty there in Edmonton in the eighties. Um, unbelievable. And I always liked it when I talked to captains or leaders. Like what what is what makes a great leader in a dressing room in the NHL, in your opinion? Oh, I th- there, there's a lot of things. I think, um, you know, your work ethic has got to be, you know, I keep, I, anyone asks, I keep going back to Sid and, and guys like that. But he, he works so hard on and off the ice. Um, you know, his skill obviously is everyone sees a skill, but I don't think you see and appreciate how hard they work. And on a daily basis, they're always working. And they're always trying to, they're always trying to do whatever they can to help you work on your game too. You know, uh, normally you don't see guys like that um, jump in front of the net just so you could work on your shot and make him tip. You know, it's usually the uh, guys like yourself jumping in there for him, but uh, he's the first guy to jump in there and tip shots for you or or anything like that. So um, I think hard work's a big thing, and just um, y- you know the that gets you that respect or around your teammates. And um, that goes a long ways off the ice. You know, everyone respects you for how hard you work. And I don't think it has anything to do with the skill. It's just that, that work ethic. Well, Derek, congrats again on an incredible career. And I really, thanks for joining. This was, this was an awesome conversation. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I want to thank Derek for joining the podcast. It was a, f- a fascinating conversation and it was a reminder, especially the portion about um, the Vegas Golden Knights' early success and what led to that. And the reminder of how that team was thrown together, essentially, um, how that team played with a, a chip on its shoulder for its first year of existence. And I find that interesting because I can tell you, as we sit here and record right now, the Vegas Golden Knights are 5-1 and one, um, and off to a great start. And I can tell you there was, in talking to people in hockey circles this offseason, there was real doubt as to whether or not Vegas, the overhaul that they, they are doing uh, under GM Kelly McCrimmon, and by overhaul, I, you know, upgrade. Like they've made some, some incredible moves, including the signing of Alex Petrangelo, the aggressive trade and signing of Robin Leonard to a long-term deal that started the trade deadline last year. Um, Kelly McCrimmon, they have not rested on their laurels in Vegas. And some of the blowback I was getting and talking to people around the league about Vegas and some of the moves they made was that in the process, they might be losing some of that identity, that, um, you know, that, that tightness that Derek Englund talked about. Um, when you, when Mark Andre Fleury, who is beloved in that dressing room, is you know is feeling slighted potentially, or is no longer the starting goalie, 
um, or some of those players are now no longer part of the team that that helped overachieve there was there was really um, people who wondered if that fabric of that room had been torn and and even if you're upgrading talent on paper and you're bringing in better players theoretically if there would be some sort of culture uh, some some sort of price to be paid I would say uh, within the culture of the teams and you know I think another theory that was being floated was this weird COVID season, teams that made dramatic moves might not be able to mesh right away um, and, you know, might be hampered by the inability of these players to play together. And the fact that Vegas is 5-1-1 one, and one, uh, and leading the Honda West or whatever we're calling it, uh, I think is pretty notable. And, and, you know, that's that's got that's a powerhouse division. They couldn't afford to get off to a slow start with St. Louis in Colorado, everybody's favorite Stanley Cup pick. Um, Vegas had to get off to a good start. They couldn't. They couldn't find themselves. Really, you didn't want to in that division. Um, and I, there was legitimate doubt, kind of, by people wondering whether or not these these upgrades and in, in roster wise, um, if it came at the cost of something else. And clearly, it hasn't. And that's a credit, you know, I think to Pete DeBoer, to the players they brought in, to a guy like Alex Petrangelo, seem you know seemingly seamlessly working his way into that roster, into that dressing room. And as it stands right now, it doesn't seem that those concerns about the dressing room were founded. So it's it's been fascinating to see. Before we wrap up, a little housekeeping. I want you to check out the athletic hockey show who recently had Bobby Ryan uh, on with Ian Mendez and, and Haley Salvian. Uh, Bobby, of course, if you listen to his episode on the Full 60, is a great talker, is off to a scorching start. So I am always happy to plug anything where, where he joins because you know it's going to be a fun listen, and he, he was great. Also, Ray Shiro, who knows Derek Englund well, uh, former GM of the Penguins and the Devils, joined the two-man advantage edition of the Athletic Hockey Show on Wednesday, along with Shane Doan who is now back with the Coyotes organization. So definitely check those out. Also, if you have a second to review and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Pods, that helps me out immensely. If you have any questions or you want to leave a comment about this episode or even suggestions for future guests, you can do that on the Athletic app. And of course, if you are not a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get a subscription for $3.99 a month if you go to athletic.com slash full 60. All right, that's a wrap. Thanks, Derek, for joining the podcast. Thank you for listening, and have a great week.